Hello and welcome to De Stefano Talks, talking Scottish football, and this is episode number seven. On the podcast today, myself and Lewis again are joined by student journalist Ryan McGinley to recap all the weekend's action across the Scottish Premiership. Games include Hamilton versus Rangers, Celtic versus Motherwell, Hibernian versus Aberdeen, and St Mirren versus Kilmarnock, as well as Ross County versus Dundee United. Loads of things to discuss, loads of talking points to talk about and we will get into that on the podcast very very soon um i just want to take a moment to thank every single person that has listened to the podcast since the format change at the beginning of the year um a lot of people are really liking it um and we've kind of gained a viewership that i didn't actually expect to gain in the first couple of weeks um but i I really thank every single person that tunes in every single week to hear four young journalists talk football um it means a lot to me uh, it means a lot to them um and it's good that we've got a sort of core audience in place um, that that can help us and support us on our way. Um, I just want to say that if you haven't already subscribed to the podcast, either on Spotify or iTunes, um, head on over there, hit subscribe, hit that follow button um, and just sort of keep yourself up to date with what's going on on the podcast. Um, If you are an iTunes user and that's how you prefer to listen to to the podcast, then if I can ask you um, if you would be able to go and leave a review on the podcast and let us know what you think, um, hopefully you'll say, oh, I love this podcast, it's a great 10 out of 10 um, and you'll give us a good review. Um, But if you're also thinking, nah, do you know what, I do like the podcast but there's something else that could be added, let me know um because it's the only way that the podcast is going to evolve it's the only way that that sort of we're, we're going to get the content out that people want to listen to um so if you have the time um if you could leave a review it, it would mean a lot to me um and it would help the the podcast grow um in the long run and if you are an avid twitter user like myself then head on over to twitter.com forward slash talks or to be more 21st century and more modern uh go to twitter and type in at day stefano talks you'll find the podcast twitter over there and you can keep yourself up to date with sort of new guests that are coming on every week or anything else that i might want to add out in the future now without further ado this is day stefano talks talking scottish football episode number seven Hey guys, how you doing? Not too bad, Sam. Ryan? Not bad, mate. Ah, good stuff. Well, here we are again to recap all of the weekend's action across the Premiership. Just before we begin, we've got some breaking news. Um, probably by the time you hear this, you'll have heard it. But um, Kilmarnock announced Tommy Wright as our new manager. Uh, let's get your thoughts on that, Lewis. I think we're just we're just literally speaking about it just before we came on. It seems like an ideal appointment for Kilmarnock, a pretty sensible one. A guy who's got a lot of Premiership experiences, done a great job with St Johnson. Obviously, that's come to an end, and he's actually been out of the game a bit longer than expected. So, as I say, it's ideal for Kilmarnock. I think, and he'll do a good job there. Uh, Ryan, yeah, I think this is the perfect move for both parties. I think Kilmarnock need a defensive-minded manager that stop them leaking goals because that seems to be all they're doing this season um, and I think he's a good move for uh, for Tommy Wright Kilmarnock's a bigger team than St Johnson so he'll, he'll be happy with that appointment I was surprised to see him as well um, being out of the game for so long as long as he was but I think this is a good appointment for both him and the club yeah, because he was out of the game for for a sustained period of time and, you know, jobs came and went. You know, the, the Motherwell one comes to mind where you were thinking that would be an ideal job for Tommy Wright. Um, but obviously, the, the Kilmarnock one has came. Uh, Motherwell have appointed Graham Alexander that's doing a, a good job there. But I, I think it's an appointment that Kilmarnock will... Kilmarnock, sorry, Kilmarnock fans will say, aye, Tommy will keep us up. We, we'll stay in the Premiership this season. So, yeah, no, it's a great appointment. Um, I suppose the best way to kind of jump into then would be to talk about the Kilmarnock game um, you know they lost in midweek to Celtic for now um, they then went to Paisley um, and they lost 2-0 to St Mirren um, St Mirren deserved their win Obika was on fire um, what did you guys make of the game start with you Ryan yeah I thought St Mirren absolutely dominated the game they, they could have had more than two um, 
I thought I thought they were brilliant. They were really attacking wise. It was a great cross from Dormus into Kyle Alexander with a great header at the end of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Obika with a great finish in the box. It was really calm strikers play, and it looks like he's really on form at the moment. Um, I think top six looks really possible for St Mirren at this point. They just look they look like they could get something out of every game, and they're really impressive to watch under Jim Goodwin. Aye. Jim Goodwin has done a he's done a fantastic job um for St. Mirren. You know, look at the result he pulled off against Rangers in the League Cup. You know, he, he took his team to Celtic Park and and I wouldn't say routed them, but he, you know, he, he took three well deserved points away from Celtic. Um Lewis, what did you think of the game? Nah, definitely St. Mirren have been have been very impressive. I've seen them a few times this season and every time they've been good. Jim Goodwin he has such an effect on that side, you know, barking instructions for the sideline. That's how you can hear Jim Goodwin shouting. In terms of Abika, it's it's good to see he's on form and it's it's a tidy finish for his goal. I think maybe it looks like an easy one, you know, he's one on one with the keeper, but sometimes strikers can ball with that, you know. It's harder than you probably think because the pressure's on him a bit. When the likes of Brophy came in, you probably thought, What's gonna happen with Abika now? But he seems to be taking his chance and he's the number nine that's in the side now. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. I thought for a St. Mirren's second goal, uh, what on earth was that? <laughs> You know, a guy as experienced as, as him, you would expect him just to fire that ball clear, but he got himself into a little bit of trouble. Um, it was a it was a good finish from Obika. Kilmarnock sitting, um, sorry, St Mirren sitting sixth in the the Premiership just now on thirty two points, one point ahead of Dundee United. Um, Kilmarnock obviously they are now in a relegation battle, but as we've spoke about, Tommy Wrights came in. You, you expect them to shore it up a little bit. So I wouldn't expect Kilmarnock to stay down there for, for too long. Um, I'm just trying to think if there was any more interesting talking points on the game. I, I don't think there is. I suppose the only one you could say is, what is next for Kelly now that, that Tommy Wright is there? What, what do you see him being able to do? Um, start with you, Lewis. Yeah, look, I think the league's very tight, sort of down in the bottom six. So there's a chance for them to maybe push on. I think they're currently sitting in 10th. They're, they're a wee bit behind St. Johnson in 8th, but there's still a few games to go. You know, they've got a game in hand on them as well, so they can push on and try and maybe, I think maybe 6 is a bit of a reach, but try and reach as high as you can in the bottom 6 and get get amongst them, because as I say, it's very tight, so they've got a chance to sort of climb up the table a wee bit. Uh, Ryan? Yeah, I think um, 7 for 6 would be very possible for uh, for Kilmarnock. It's just, just due to the way the league is and the way the split will work. They'll be playing teams that are around them in this at the end of the season. So I, I can't see why they won't pick up points in the second half of the season, especially with Tommy Wright. Tommy Wright knows what he's doing. He's an experienced manager. He'll be able to go in and get results. He's a results-driven manager. Um, yeah, I think he'll be a successful Kilmarnock. I think he's a great appointment. Yeah. Sorry, Stefan. I think what is crucial is going into the split they've got three games Dundee United Ross County and Motherwell those could be sort of big games going into that split in terms of where they could find themselves on the table they could stretch themselves away and sort of get themselves to safety a bit earlier than the other teams might find themselves yeah that's true um, do you think that Tommy Wright can have that effect that Steve Clark had to sort of build like a, a winning team a team that doesn't like to lose um, and they'll, they'll sort of have that sort of sense around them uh, Brian I don't know if he'll have as big an effect as Steve Clark did because I think that was just a, a perfect harmony between manager and team that, that just totally got behind Steve Clark and all these ideas. But I think he will have a, a bigger effect on um, Kilmarnock than Alex Dyer did. Um, and I think he'll stay longer than Clark did as well because Clark obviously had ambitions of maybe seeing Kilmarnock as a stepping stone. I don't think Tommy Wright's like that. I think he'll see this as a good rebuilding job. Uh, Lewis? Yeah, no. He's certainly a bigger character than Alex Dyer. I think it's a good, we've mentioned already, it's a good replacement. But like Ryan says, I think he will be here for a few years. It will be a sort of building job like he had at St. Johnson. He managed to get them sort of top sets quite consistently. So if he can try and do that, come on, it, it would be seen as some job even in comparison to Steve Clark because he was obviously he was pushing. They're probably quite similar managers in the way they don't concede a lot of goals and maybe they don't score a lot, but they're good at winning games. So we could see something similar. Obviously, I don't think they reached the heights of third place with Steve Clark, but they could push on and make themselves a top six side if they can. Yeah, 100%. I can't disagree with that. Um, all right, let's 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 move on from Kilmarnock and um, St Mirren. Um, 
we'll touch on both those teams later when we do our predictions for the the week ahead. But um, let's move on to the another game. Um, I, I, I suppose a surprising game that I, I didn't expect. Um, Livingston versus St Johnston. Uh, both teams obviously they're going to face each other uh, in a couple of weeks at the, the League Cup final. Um, but they faced each other on Saturday. How surprised were you by the result that St Johnston pulled off? Um, especially on the unbeaten David Martindale, um, Lewis. Maybe usually you wouldn't be you wouldn't be too surprised to see that sort of result. But with the run I've been on, I think nobody was betting against them. They thought they were unstoppable. They now this sort of result might give St Johnson a bit of encouragement going into the the League Cup final a few weeks. Because if say if Livy were still on this run of incredible incredible unbeaten run, then you might think oh, St Johnson might not have a chance here. But that might give them like edge them on a wee bit. So. It certainly was a bit of a surprise just because of how, how good Livy have been in recent weeks. Uh, right? Yeah, I, I think it's sort of broken Livingston's air of invincibility, this result. But St Johnston deserved their win. They, they, they were the better team. They had plenty of attacks and they completely deserved their three points. Um, they seem to be full of confidence at the minute. I think, I think it's easy to say that um, Livingston are the only team in form but I think St Johnston are in good form as well um, it was a, it was a great free kick from Tanza um, and then it was a nice header to make it 2-0 as well um, I was really impressed by St Johnston I think I think they play really good football really effective football under their manager um, and it, w- it was a surprising result but not too surprising because you, you've seen the way they've been playing recently Yeah they've, they've pulled up uh, sorry, they've pulled off some some good results in the last um, couple of weeks. But obviously, they they lost to Rangers. But uh, you know, going into this game, I expected Livingston to win. You know, each week I come on here, I wax lyrical about David Martindale. But how good a job he's done! I love that saying. By the way, I've said that three weeks in a row. I don't know if anybody's noticed. Um, but you know, they they do a fantastic. He's done a fantastic job um, for Livingston. So to I didn't expect St. Johnson to win. But when they went two that lap, I was like, God, they've. I don't know what's happened at Livingston, but then because I'm a, I, I like to think I'm a tactical kind of person. I think David Martindale's a little bit like that. I think he's a little bit astute, and maybe he's just wanted to see what St Johnston were all about coming into the obviously building up to the League Cup final. You know, he's probably tinkered about with his team and obviously wanted to see what St Johnston were doing. So I, I do expect to see a different animal come the League Cup final, but it definitely definitely was a surprise. Um, Livingston obviously stay in fifth place. They're on 39 points, only five behind Aberdeen, so they could be pushing for top four. Um, and as we mentioned, St Johnston are down in eighth, um, but they're only nine points off. St Johnston have been quietly going about their business um, under Callum Davidson, which is, has been interesting. Um, you know, they've been a, a team that's been in the league for, for a long period of time. Um, I think maybe over a, just over a decade. Mm. Um, so, you know, they've they're setting themselves on a good footing with, with results like that. Um, was it a penalty? That's what I had to, to ask. What, what did you guys think of, of the penalty incident, um, Lewis? Yeah, no, you mentioned St. Johnson. I'll just touch on that quickly. They've been in the league for so many years and they didn't start. It was probably maybe a bit of a slow start for, for Callum Davidson. And this season they were sort of building. But now they've come good and it's, they're on a good run of form and I think they are a good side and they play some good stuff. He'll probably have taken some stuff from the guy we've just mentioned, Tommy Wright. So it is interesting to see what will happen there. With the penalty, I do think it is a penalty because he, ca- he catches Rooney. I think it's probably quite smart for Rooney to maybe leave his foot in and get caught. But I do think it is a penalty to sort of given the referee decision to make. Uh, right. Yeah, it, it did look like a soft penalty when I watched it, but Sean Rooney does his best to make it look like a convincing penalty. You, you've got to sort of applaud the attacker for, for making it look as good as it did. I think it left the, the referee with no choice, really. It, it left me, when I seen it, it left me feeling annoyed because I'm I, I'm one of those people, I don't like awarding. So, you know, if I was a referee, that wouldn't be a penalty for me. It was far mm. too I, felt- I, think, I think nowadays you get the penalties are just, it's t- t- you get touched and it's a penalty. So, it's unfortunate, but I think in today's game it probably is a penalty, you know? I, th- I think you're right. I think in today's game it certainly is a penalty, but I don't know if, if, you know, if I'm the referee, I'm saying, well, get up, move on. <laughs> but no, it is what it is. They got their penalty. Um, 
and and you know they they took their took their goal, um, took their lead very well. Um, so it was a it was a good match. Um, I think for the neutral, if it had been on telly, um, a lot of people would have probably enjoyed it. Um, moving on, um, let's move to a game that's uh, I suppose many people were less surprised. Hamilton versus Rangers. Normally, when you expect you see that fixture coming out, you're thinking right. If Hamilton are on the end of less than five now, that's a good result. Um, we know they got battered earlier on in the season. Um, sorry, Ben, for, for rubbing this in a wee bit. Um, but when you look at that, you're thinking Rangers are surely going to win that. But it wasn't to be the case. Um, Hamilton, you know, gave a good fight, had a couple of good chances to, to maybe go on and win the game. Um, what did you guys think of it? Start with you, Ryan. Yeah, I thought it was an inspired performance by Hamilton. They really, they really stood up and they stood up and were counted for against what you would probably see as a below par Rangers. That a lot of Rangers fans are talking on social media after the game of how poor they were that game. Um, that McGregor had another another great game for Rangers. It seems like I'm seeing this every week about um, Alan McGregor, but. He seems to be turning back the years with with every performance. He's he's keeping them in games, and he's just a great goalkeeper. Um, but Callahan deserved his equaliser. He, he worked tirelessly the whole game, and nothing was really coming off for him. And I'm glad that he stuck at it and got his goal at the end of the day. Uh, Lewis, uh, you mentioned it. The last, I think the last time the sides met it was eight 0 going into the game top versus bottom team that hasn't lost at all this season you're expecting one thing and one thing only and that's a Rangers win but for Hamilton to come in with a point especially in a game where you don't expect it from them it's, it's brilliant for them especially in the relegation battle you know they'll want to be picking up points against the likes of Ross County and Dundee United but see if you can pick up points against the top sides as an even bigger bonus yeah I think it says a lot about the game when you when Alan McGregor comes out as man of the match you know or at least I think he was awarded man of the match but he made a couple of great saves and he really kept them in the game at times and as Ryan mentions, they got the goal they deserved in the end, and they'll be they'll be absolutely delighted. Were they unlucky to concede the goal that they did? Um, I know it was an own goal; uh, it was a good cross in. But had that not gone in, um, yeah, I, I, I think they were unlucky. Sorry, um, I think they were unlucky in sort of conceding the goal that they did. Mm-hmm. Um, but they showed the sort of confidence to say, "Well, we played well in this match," and then they went back up the other end and, and got themselves a goal, which. From a from McGregor's point of view, he's probably thinking I should have done better with that. But you know, he, he made some inspired saves throughout the game, as as has been mentioned. Um, there was a clip on social media going around of Alan McGregor being absolutely furious. Um, I don't know what about, but it, it was a short video. He, he was great. He was raging, throwing his hands about. Um, a lot of people commenting on that. Um, is that something you want to see from your goalkeeper? That sort of passion that when you do drop points. Um, to see that part that he's angry about it is that a good thing to see, uh, Ryan? Um, I think I think the fact that uh, Dal McGregor's what, what age is he? Thirty eight, thirty nine. Yeah, you're you're not going to change him. You're not going to change Al McGregor. He's done this his whole career. Um, I think you've got to be passionate. I mean, I'm not the biggest fan of the guy at all, obviously due to my allegiance. But <laughs> you've got to have you've got to have some passion in the game. Otherwise, that will just get lost and it will just become a monotonous game. So, yeah, I don't mind the passion at all. And he's got every right to be annoyed because Rangers weren't up to it yesterday. Uh, Lewis? I did see some, I seen some clips on Twitter, like you saying, there was like some Celtic fans laughing at it, but I didn't, I didn't really see much wrong with it. You know, like, I'd want my keeper shit like you're, you're raging at a substandard performance in your defence, yeah. defensively. Like, your keeper should be screaming at that. He's been, he's putting a man in the match performance and he's still raging at his teammates. That's the sort of standards you want to live up. You're 21 points behind. Why would you laugh at that? You know, I just, I just didn't, didn't see it, and I'm, I'd expect my keeper to be that in a way. I know, that, that was something yesterday. Celtic fans, fans I'm pals with, laughing at Rangers. I was like, it's it's 21. Nothing to laugh about, yeah. Like, this is <laughs> that pathetic to be laughing at something when our own plight is a lot worse. I I, I found that strange, um, to, to say the least. Like, yeah, um, seeing a guy going mental is, is funny, but in the context of it, at least he's shown passion for his team, and that's a lot more passion that 
he's showed than you know any Celtic goalkeeper has showed this season, bar maybe Connor Hazard. Um, so I know it's definitely something you're welcome to see in a game that's been very much watered down, um, in, in my opinion now. Um, so well-deserved point for, for Aki's. Um, Rangers, uh, I suppose, are one point better off towards the title. Um, they are only 21 points ahead, I say only. Um, I think we've touched on this since uh, the since like January when you know uh, different people have come on Rangers look set to win the league do you think that will change they've now dropped like they've not played well in the last couple of games they've now dropped points are Celtic fans right to sort of get ahead of themselves and be like oh this could be a collapse or is it just something that happens in football points are dropped but Rangers will go on and win um Lewis what do you think I mean I don't know I don't think there's any suggestion that Celtic will be back in this tight race. That, that's been over for a number of weeks and possibly months. I think maybe possibly since start of November, December time. You know, this is the first that I can have dropped points in the last few weeks. They've not been great performance wise, but the league was sort of won and lost by by Celtic themselves. And you seen the month of January that Celtic had, I think, possibly one or two wins. It just I don't think there's any sort of talk of the title being back on tomorrow because it's just far too big a lead. Uh, Ryan? Yeah, I think any talk of a title is extremely far-fetched. Um, I thought the league was over in October, I'll be honest, um, when, when Celtic get beat by Rangers without registering a shot on target. Um, yes, Celtic have been far too inconsistent this season, or consistently bad this season, you could possibly say. Um, I think their last chance really was the 2nd of January at Ibrox. And although they did play well for the 60 minutes, the sending off was key and then Rangers got their goal, however lucky that, that, that goal was. And then and then the whole Dubai incident, which lost his 13 players, was just so stupid. So mm-hmm. it's it's all been our own it's all been I need to watch when I say our it's all been Celtic's downfall this season. Yeah, no, I, I can't disagree with you there. Um, I, I, the reason I ask the question, people will be like, oh, look at that host trying to get Celtic back. <laughs> um, it's not, it's just um, I've seen people say, um, I've seen Celtic fans saying this could be a collapse of a monumental um, sort of feeling. You know, uh, someone said, oh, this, this collapse could be worse than Ali McCoy's 15-point gap. That's the reason I ask personally. I don't see it happening. Uh, Rangers are just too good this season. Uh, yeah. Celtic fans won't want to hear that. Some will have already accepted it. They are on fire this season, and one you know bad result against Hamilton. All right, it's bottom of the table, Hamilton Academical that you would normally um, beat about four or five. Now it's still a long way from being able to say. Celtic will get back into the title race. Um, I was on a call yesterday and the person I was speaking to was saying, well, you know, if Celtic win their two games in hand, that's that's 15 points. Then they beat Rangers twice. That's down to... Um, God, my maths is terrible. That's down to nine points. Rangers would still need to lose a further three games. Uh, and I don't see... They've not lost one game this in the league. <laughs> so to suggest it, they... Need to lose lose three to get Celtic back in the title races. Oh, it's it's not the, thing, the thing that's mentioned in there is the F as well. If Celtic beat Rangers, if they win the games and I don't think any of that's guaranteed this season with how, how poor Celtic have been. Yeah, I don't I don't see Celtic I see Celtic winning their games in hand. When it comes to Rangers games, Gerard has Lennon's number this season. Um and had it in the last game that they played last season. I, I struggle to see Celtic beating Rangers this season um, and I'll, I'll, I'll take some flack for that on Twitter but I'm used to it um, so no um, speaking of Celtic let's let's move on there, let's go there Celtic versus Motherwell um, nice goals from Welsh and Edouard, um, what did you guys think of the game? Uh, Ryan, sorry um, yeah, 60, 60, when 60 minutes went by I was like this is a great performance, um, a great header from Welsh, which was a, a great corner from Turnbull again, another assist for him. And then Edward just being Edward, seems to just turn it on and when you least expect it, scoring the hardest chance that comes his way. Um, yes, it's, but 60 minutes were playing great and then I feel like the fitness issue came into play again, where we seem to be 
and pardon my French, we seemed to be out on our ass after 60 minutes and we were struggling struggling to keep a hold of the ball and then Alan Campbell's goal came out of nowhere and then we were struggling. It, it just seems as if we play well for 60, 70 minutes and then it all goes it all goes to pot. So it's a bit concerning. Uh, Lewis? Yeah, I think Ryan summed it up perfectly. It's sort of the performance you've been expecting. They either play terribly or they'll have a good spell in the game and then they'll fall off. Like for an hour or so, it was a really good performance. You know, two good goals probably should have been three or four, and then all of a sudden, Mother will grab one back in his panic stations, you know. They could have had a chance to sort of get himself level in the game and potentially were very close to doing the, the dying minutes. So it's just, it's one of those performances from Celtic. You're not surprised at again, but it's three points at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, I thought Welsh school was, was cracking. Um, I never seen the game. Um, I had something else on. I'd seen the last 20 minutes, sadly. Um, <laughs> he shows the wrong time to watch it. <laughs> um, but I'd, I'd seen the, the highlights, and Welsh school was phenomenal. It was a great header. Um, and then Edward, you know, the guy's ability to just get a goal from nowhere is, is sublime. You know, it, it's a goal that he shouldn't be getting the room to score. And he did, he just nestled it by Liam Kelly's, um, sorry, his, I think it was his right-hand post. Um, so it, it was a great goal. Um, but then you see Celtic sort of, the fitness thing came in, Ryan, you mentioned that. That seems to, to be an issue under a Neil Lennon squad. I think Ronnie Dyla, when he first came into the, the club in 2014, said that the players were unfit. There always seems to be a fitness question around Neil Lennon's players. You can see that they were sort of blown out of their you know, their, their selves within about 20 to 15 minutes to go, um, which obviously allowed Motherwell to get back into the game and almost equalise. Um, but I think, from what I heard, Celtic played well for 60 minutes, but, you know, as, as we're told, games are, are 90 minutes, so you can't just play well for 60 and be like, that's great, you need to play well for the, for the 90. Um Welsh, he has to feature until May now, surely. If you're, you're a Celtic fan, you're thinking, right, we've got Ayer, that's good. We've got Welsh. Julian's injured at the minute, but when he comes back, he'll, he'll probably come in. But you would expect Welsh to, to stay in the squad, wouldn't you, um, Lewis? Yeah, I've been a big fan of Stephen Welsh. I spoke to him last March in a press conference, and it was before the Reserve Cup final against Aberdeen, which still hasn't been played because it was literally just before the, this, this all hit. But impressed me. Even since his debut against Hamilton last year, impressed I think a lot of people have been calling for him to be in the side, including myself. And whenever he's, even when he gets thrown in these games like Hamilton, like Rangers, and then AC Milan, and he's, I don't think he's really put a foot wrong. Maybe the AC Milan game, there was a few wee mistakes. But now you expect for a young defender who's barely played a game and not really been, like, usually these guys come in and play several games in a row to gain that experience, but he's just getting thrown in. So, yeah. It'd be good to see him get a run of games until May, and he deserves it until the end of the season, especially after the two performances. I think he's been he's been good, and he also won man of the match on Saturday. Mm-hmm. And he'll learn a lot for the likes of Ayer, who he's probably going to be leaving in the summer, but give him these few months to learn as much as he can off a player like Chris Fryer and, and see where that goes from there. Right? Yeah, I think he's got to be playing until the end of the season. I think he's a great young talent. I think he's quite he's quite short in stature. Yeah, he's but... not the tallest, yeah. He, he makes up for it in terms of presence, and you see that with the other um, defenders. The other defenders look calmer on the ball and in possession and at the back than when Duffy's playing. And I think that's a big compliment you could take him that he calms things down. Um, during the week, he also had a good return of pace to get the ball back off of. Um, oh, who was it? So he, he caught up with a player. Um, during the week, I'm not sure who it was, but he had some amount of pace on him to come back and get the ball. So I was really impressed by him. Um, I I think he's got to be playing till May. Duffy won't be here next season, so we've got to be planning for the future now. He's got to be bedded in. He's got to be a regular for next season. Um, and I'm just gutted that Ayer will be going away. Um, it looks like because I, I would I would be flinging money at him to get him a new contract and build the team around him because I think he'll cost more to replace than he will to. Um, sell off. The thing about Stephen Welsh um, that you mentioned, you know, has he made a, a significant mistake to the likes of Beaton or, or Duffy? Um, no, would be the, the obvious answer. 
he, he had a little bit of trouble against AC Milan, which um, a top European side, uh, I, can give a, I can give the kids some slack on that. Uh, the Rangers game, I don't think he was out of his depth at all. Um, you know, in October, he, he was in a defence alongside Shane Duffy. Um, so it's, it's catastrophic. Um, so I, I don't think he, he did anything wrong there. Um, he has to feature until May for me. Um, Celtic need a strong backline, and they seem to have that with Christopher Iyer and Welsh. And as you say, Lewis, Welsh can learn a lot from Christopher Iyer, um, you know, in these coming months, which could sort of tip him into becoming a, a good Celtic player for next season, um, alongside, I, I would suspect, Chris Julian. Um are, are you both set on the, the idea that Ayer will leave in the summer, even though a new chief executive's coming in? Maybe he'll want to, to play it differently and not sell um, so many strong players. I think I think you could expect to see uh, Odson Edouard go. Um, but I, I, I don't know. I'm not convinced that, that Christopher Ayer could be on his way out of Celtic yet. Um, but what do you think, uh, Lewis? The thing that worries me is, from a business point of view, you're coming down to the last 12 months of his contract, so I think if he isn't going to sign up, you do need to sell him because <clears throat> you, you can't afford with a player like him. I know he would be crucial for next season, but I don't think we can afford, especially with the ongoing situation, afford to let a player like him go for free. I, it would be amazing to keep him on. Maybe he can, like Ryan says, throw a bit of money. I'm saying, well, we want you to be part of this rebuild. You know, can you stick at least stick around for another 12 months, sign a new deal? That would be absolutely ideal. There's a few players that could be out the door, so it would be perfect to sort of keep them on, try and have less people going out in there for this rebuild. But I just I can't see anything else other than him leaving this summer, to be honest, unfortunately. Uh, Ryan? Yeah, I mean, it does look likely that he is going to leave in the summer, obviously, with his last 12 months in his contract. But I think another developing story would be Obviously, with Brown, this looks like his last season. He's obviously the captain. I think Ayer's a perfect candidate to be the next Celtic captain. And I think if you were to offer him a new contract, that should be in the contract that you become the, the captain. I think the way he carries himself on the pitch, he's a born leader. He's, he's, he's born to play sort of leading centre-half football, even though he was a midfielder earlier on in his career. Um, I've, been, I've been really impressed by him especially this season where he has stood up and been, been counted in such a bad season. He's never had away from from criticism or bad performances. He always puts 100% effort in. I, 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 think, I think we should be trying to keep him as best as we can, but I, I do see him leaving, unfortunately. He is only 22. Um, he'll be 23 by the when the summer comes, but... I think if Celtic's new chief executive can throw uh, a little bit of money at him, and as you say, Ryan, maybe maybe off from the club captaincy, I think as a 22-year-old, you're going to say, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll be a part of that because I think he's got. I think he's got what the club is about. I think I think he understands the fans. I think he he, he knows how how the club is, and to be a part of a rebuild, I I, th- I think he would take it. Um, I think Celtic are going to lose a lot of players in the, the summer, but I think holding on to Christopher Iyer could be could be a masterstroke, could be pivotal um in, in their chances for next season. Um so that that'll be a, an interesting one to, to sort of keep an eye on. Um just going back on the game, how impressed were you uh, with John Joe Kenny? Because when he came in for me, I thought it was an underwhelming signing. And not not from a an ability point of view, just from a point of view where Celtic are twenty odd points behind Rangers what confidence is, is this going to give the guy you know coming into the club when you know it's not it's not the best time you know fans are, are constantly tweeting uh, anti-Neil Lennon propaganda um, with a, the Lennon out photo you know so it's hard to see how that how he would sort of perform but I, I think he's done well I think he's done really well um, in the games that he's played he's looked assured and he, he had a couple of couple of chances um, on Saturday, so it's interesting to see what what you think, um, Ryan. Yeah, I think he's been solid enough, if not completely outstanding. Um, I think he's went about and done his job well. Um, one thing I would say is he has looked quite rusty on occasion when putting the ball into the box. I don't, I can't really remember. I think he's only put one sort of cross in with pinpoint accuracy to Edward, and that was against Kilmarnock during the week. 
that'll probably come with games. He's not had a lot of games this season. He was playing he was playing predominantly for uh, Schalke last season, playing mm. every game for them. I remember watching them in the Bundesliga restart and John Joe Kenny was playing every game for Schalke. Um, but yeah, he, he seems to have slotted in quite well. He does the basics well. Um, you can see Everton have taught him well. Um, I think he's a, he's a good player. He's He's been a big part of the last two victories as well. I would say he's kept us solid on the right-hand side, but he does need to work on his final ball. Yeah. Uh, I, I would agree with that. Uh, Lewis? I did see the point about, I can see why people are saying, why would you bring him in? So, what's the point when we're fighting on point? But I think now looking at El Hamid leaving, Kenny was needed to be bringing brought in, you know, it was either that or Tony Ralston. No disrespect to Tony Ralston, but he's not a first try Celtic right back. I wouldn't have faith going from now until the end of the season with him there. I'd rather have Iron centre back alongside Welsh. So, no, I, I think it was a good addition to sort of bring him in and loan when it was needed. So far, I think he's been he's been solid. I quite like him as a player, you know. Probably, I wouldn't say he's better than Frimpong. I'd say he's more well-rounded than Frimpong in terms of going forward and going back. That's what I've got from it so far. Obviously, like Ryan says, his final ball's not been great. Maybe that's something to do with Neil Lennon's side. There's not, no full-backs that can cross the ball. But I think there's probably more to come from him and he'll be, be solid from here until the end of the season. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Um, I'd... I think he could be turned out to be one of Celtic's better players this season um, because he, he does look he looks quite decent um, in my opinion. Um, let's move on. Motherwell were let back into the match. Um, you know we've already mentioned Celtic's fitness was already starting to to play a factor. I said last week about Scott Bain should never have been in a Celtic jersey again after Spark a Thag. That goal that you conceded on Saturday when I seen it, I was like. Reflection or not, he shouldn't be getting done by that. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I think he had his feet in place all wrong. Um, and ultimately, it allowed Motherwell back into the game. Then you seen him flapping for crosses that were coming in. Uh, and Motherwell almost equalised in the last minute. Nothing will change my mind to suggest that Scott Bain should be Celtic's number one. Um, and was lucky not to cost Celtic three points on Saturday. Um, what do you think, Lewis? Go, Lewis. I mean, correct. First of all, I'll say credit to Muddle. They they done well to get back in the game, and a lot of teams you come to Celtic Park. So, well, maybe not this season. But you go two 0 down. You think this could be even more. Like we just need to sit back and defend. But they they pushed on. And they they try to get back in the game, and they almost got a reward at the end. But with that goal, I think it's also got Ben's feet are going to the ground. I was just looking at back back at his jump, and it's pretty pathetic how how far he gets off the ground. And sometimes keepers are caught out with sort of deflection and that and. I can say, you know, that's a bit unlucky. I mean, they've been caught out by that. But it's the way it looks over. And you sometimes even see keepers need to stretch and jump as far as they can. But his feet are just stuck to the ground. I don't get it. I don't mind Scott Bain. Like, he had a good spell on the team under Brendan Rodgers. He was, he was number one. But he just never a Celtic number one. I think he'd be an okay number two to come in if you really, really need him. But at this point, it's getting to... You might as well have somebody young who's like Connor Hazard. I wouldn't say there's been much between them this season, really, at all. Like, so it's just it's a, it's a terrible situation that we've discussed a few times this season. And who knows, it'll be in goals on Wednesday in the Merrigan round. Uh, it'll be um, it'll be a sort of bingo to to see, to see who's coming in. Um, you know, Neil Lennon said that Scott Bain's my number one. Uh, Barcats isn't settled. Let's see how true that is come Wednesday. Um, Ryan, what do you think? Yeah, you you are talking about bingo and all these. I, I call it the Neil of Fortune, honestly, because it, it's just um, it is a complete merry-go-round of goalkeepers. Um, Scott Bain is never a Celtic number one. If if Scott Bain is a Celtic number one, then Celtic standards have dropped significantly in the past couple of years. And with in terms of goalkeeping, um, I think I think Barca's got to come back in on Wednesday. Uh, you've got he's not going to settle. If you don't play him, he's only going to be more unsettled if you don't play him. Sure, um, that. It's just, it's infuriating. We we've got to be, because from a financial point of view as well, we've spent five million on this guy, and he's got to be playing games, or his value is depreciating every single game. Like it doesn't make sense from a financial point of view. Either they either should have flogged them in January for whatever money they could have got or they need to keep on playing him and persevere with him he's a long term fix 
for Fraser Foster leaving, obviously. And we know he's a good goalkeeper because if you've seen in any of his performances for Athens in the Champions League, you'll see how good he was against Bayern Munich, making save after save. So it's just that it's just a matter of when this good goalkeeper comes out. But Bain's been deplorable. I mean, that goal is embarrassing. Um, and then the way he just flaps about the place. He doesn't install you with much confidence at all. But then again, none of the goalkeepers do. So we're in a bit of a rubbish situation in terms of goalkeepers. The thing with Barkas, and I'll touch on it just briefly. Um, you know, when Fraser Foster came into Celtic, he wasn't good. He, he was not good in that first season. He he had some some clangers. He, you know, he, he wasn't the Fraser Foster we know now. And the only reason that he was the Fraser Foster that we know now is because he was consistently given a chance. He was consistently given game after game after game to improve. And that's the only way Barkas is going to sort of settle down. And it's the only way we're going to. Uh, it's the only way that Celtic are going to have a settled goalkeeper is if they give one chance. Uh, sorry, to give the one player the chance rather than saying, well, you can play this week um, and then you can play the next and then you can play on Wednesday. You know, it's not going to work doing that. It has to be one singular goalkeeper playing each and every week. And that's the only way that I, I think Barkas will improve. And I think it's the only way that Celtic's situation with a goalkeeper will improve. But hey, I'm not a football manager. Um, that's left to Neil Lennon. Um, did it cross the line? That's the question. I have yet to find a, a sort of definitive angle that I can 100% say, no, that ball didn't cross the line, or yes, it did cross the line. What do you guys think? Did it, did it cross the line, uh, Ryan? Um, well, if it did cross the line, not all of the ball crossed over the line, so it wouldn't be a goal, because you can still see the ball on the line, but it's a great it's a great clearance from Laxalt. Obviously, Laxalt wants Lennon to stay in the job, despite what he said on his Twitch stream last night, which duped into saying. Um, I think I think it's a great attitude from Laxalt as well, because he's just came on the pitch, and he wants to go out his way to to save a to save a, a certain goal going in. I think that just shows you a measure of the player. I know he's not really been playing that much the past couple of weeks, but it's a great attitude to have. The fact that he wants to get the three points, I like that. Uh, Lewis? Yeah, the thing, sports scene in BBC, the camera angles are dreadful. Like, you need to get more camera angles in these things. Like, even instance, I think it was one in the first half, maybe, I think, I think it was outside the box, but there's just so many cameras and it's the horrible angle. Like, get cameras in line with these things, you know. Surely, you think they'd be able to add a few extra cameras to see that. I don't think it did cross the line. It was very close and I think there was one that was pretty close on Wednesday night as well, but I think Laxalt's just got there in time and it is good perseverance to to get his leg up and get that get that away and pretty much secure the three points for Celtic. Yeah, no, I 100% agree with you that. Um, if you're going to offer the highlights, please offer <laughs> the full highlights and not not partial angles of what... It's so frustrating. I think it's so frustrating personally. Yeah, it's, it's really annoying. Um, right, final point on Celtic. Uh, Lennon spoke after the game about three to four more years. Is he believing that he has three or four more years, or is this just a sort of delusion, uh, Lewis? I don't think he believes he's got three or four. Even if he believed he had more time, one or two years maximum, I think he thinks he's got. I don't know what the question was, so maybe the question was sort of based around something like that. I've I've actually not been able to read the sort of the full full quotes, so maybe it is something that's been read into in terms of somebody's plastered the quotes, but there's no context. You know what I mean? I'd need to see that personally. I've not. I don't know if you guys have, but I don't. I don't think there's any way that he believes he'll be here for three or four years, and he's maybe just commenting the question he's asked. You know, uh, Ryan. Yeah, I think he's got three or four years mixed up with three or four months. Um, <laughs> he, he won't, he won't be there past the summer. I've, I've changed my tune significantly because I've looked at it from all angles. Neil Lennon won't be in the job in the summer because Don McKay has to come in and repair the relationship between the Celtic supporters and the board. It's the season tickets are the big thing for me, yeah. I think. And that needs to be repaired really, really quickly. So he needs to come out and make a statement, a statement of intent that he's going to change things for the better around Celtic Park. Um, I think he will go at the end of the season. I think they will give him till the end of the season, but he will go. Um, and Don McKay will bring someone in because there's there's already been rumours about a director of football coming in. And usually, if it's a 
if it's a chief executive, then a director of football, then it'll be a manager that comes in next after that. So I expect the rumours to be heating up the next couple of weeks with regards to that. Interesting to see how that pans out. Um, right, let's move on to our second to last game of the, the weekend. Uh, Ross County versus Dundee United. I called this in my notes a dull game because watching it, it was extremely dull. Lawrence Shankland had a few chances to put Dundee United um, in the lead in the first half. Uh, twice he tried to go around the goalkeeper but couldn't do it. Um, could have been three or four, um, considering the goals that they did end up scoring. Um, what did you guys think of the, the match as a, as a whole, uh, Ryan? Yeah, I actually thought Ross County had a lot of chances in both halves to get a couple of goals themselves. So I think they'll be quite disappointed with the fact that they lost this game 2-0, especially at home. Um, but when but when the chance did come along to Shankland, it was a great it was a great touch and finish. That's what he was doing in the championship all last season. I think he's really struggled to sort of replicate that in the Premiership this season. I know injuries haven't helped him and obviously the situation of this season and everything that goes around it can't help. Um, and then it was a it was a good header by Edwards as well. And it was a good win for Mickey Mellon. He obviously needed that. He needed to stop the rot um, in terms of defeats. A bad defeat in midweek as well. Um, but it's a good win for Dundee United. They needed this. Yeah. Can't disagree, uh, Lewis. Yeah, I think reading a few Ross County fans' sort of comments, I think it was sort of a standard Ross County performance in terms of they made a few chances, but they conceded the, these goals that they, they probably shouldn't. They're quite poor defensively. From a, you'd rather maybe not poor, but you'd rather not be conceding goals for set pieces. You know, that's probably one of the ones you're like we don't want to be conceding from these. As Ryan says, Dundee United, it's a it's probably a quite big result for them. It stretches a gap between them and Ross County and in the playoff spot they've been in this rut but those are the three points that you look back at in the season and if you stay up and think that's that's what that's what kept us up this season with and with control goals from the likes of Lawrence Shanklin who has been I wouldn't say up and down this season because he's not been at his best and it was I think it was a very interesting situation to see how he came up and done he, he took his goal very well on, on Saturday and it would be good to see him kick on and try and perform a bit better towards the end of the season mm. It was a good win for Dundee United. I think uh, Nick Mellon will be, be pleased with it. Um, it moves to the United. Um, uh, doesn't move them back into the top six, but it, it keeps them, uh, you know, round about. They're only a point behind St Mirren, as mentioned earlier. So, you know, um, St Mirren drop a couple of points, Dundee United pick up a couple of points, bang, they're in the top six. Um, so it was definitely a, a result that takes uh, Dundee United in the right direction. Um Right, let's move on to our final game of the, the afternoon um, on Saturday uh, before we move on to our predictions for midweek. Uh, Aberdeen, sorry, Hibernian versus Aberdeen. I've wrote that the wrong way down. Um, battle for third place. Is it over now? Have Is it too early to say it's over? Um, Hibs, five points clear, but Aberdeen just don't look... Aberdeen of, of old of the past maybe three or four seasons they, they look quite timid and they look quite weak now um, first of all what, what did you think of the game Lewis? Yeah no it looked like a, a decent affair I think that was seemed like quite an exciting game going into the weekend so a third versus fourth this could be a, a crucial game in the battle for that European place to, depending on the Scottish Cup situation so it was a, a decent game even just watching the highlights it was good to see you know but as you say, Aberdeen, it's been a very strange season for me. I feel I feel as though they've been a bit up and down again, and they've had decent spells where they've, they've been no bad, and they've they look to find their rhythm a wee bit, and then they have these poor results, and also in a run, a very poor run now. So it is a very strange situation. It's a, it's a great result for for Hibs. They will definitely take that. Uh, Ryan, yeah, it was a good two 0 win for Hibs. Eh? I thought Joe Lewis kept it from being absolutely embarrassing for Aberdeen. Um, Hibs had tons of chances. Um, I thought I thought the penalty for Hibs was quite soft, but Murphy, Jamie Murphy's quite clever the way he does it because I'm going to use a wrestling term, but he sells it really well mm-hmm. to make it look like a penalty. Um, it's kind of similar to the Livingston one, the Livingston St Johnson one as well. But two really good finishes from Martin Boyle. He he seems to be the the difference sometimes for Hibs. In these sort of games, he his pace and his finishing, he's he's a really really good player. I quite like him. 
Um, but I think a couple of their January signings are really, really making a good impact. <clears throat> Chris Cadden and Jackson Irvin, especially Irvin, because Irvin's the player that I think Hibs have needed for a wee while now. I think he's so creative in the middle. He was brilliant past the Boyle. At one point, above the top to the Boyle was brilliant. Mm-hmm. He's a really good player. I, I've always liked Jackson Irvin. I thought we Celtic let go of him far too early in his career. Um and I think it'll be a good signing for Hibs. Hibs will be hoping that they can sign him on a longer contract as well, because teams will be swooping in for him relatively quickly, you would think. Yeah, no, no, definitely. Um, what you were saying about Martin Boyle, uh, Celtic have obviously been in the hunt for him, um, or, or supposedly. I, I think that if you're looking at a rebuild, would would Martin Boyle be part of your, your plan, uh, Ryan? Yes and no. If you're wanting a quick fix, yes, I'd bring in Martin Boyle, but I think he's, what age is he, 27, 28? Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of, of a rebuild, I would be wanting someone that's maybe 21, 22 that can stay for a couple of years and will be working into his prime rather than than he's in his prime at the moment and Aye. decline from here. I think I think he has a good player. He's, he's shown it time and time again against the big teams in the league and the smaller teams. But I think we need to be looking further afield for a right winger to replace Forrest because that'll be one of the most important signs we make because it's been evident this season how much we rely on Forrest. And I, I'm I'm one of his harshest critics, but his numbers speak for themselves. Yeah. We've missed that this season. I think I'm going to go on the, the record and, you know, my mates are going to rip me for this. But... um. I got James Forrest wrong. Um, I used to think he, he went... Don't get me wrong, in games he can go hiding, but his stats do speak for themselves. So I'm, I'm going to openly um, on, on the podcast say that, yeah, Celtic have really missed James Forrest, and I think I think I got him wrong. Um, they'll love me saying that. Um, Lewis, Martin Boyle to Celtic, would it be a good uh, sort of guy to get into the rebuild? Or is it, as Ryan said, it's too late in his prime? I think Ryan sums up the situation perfectly there in terms of yes, you would you would probably take him. He's, he's a good player to have, but no, if you're going for a rebuild, you want to start with sort of younger players, and you don't want to have. I think Forrest and Boyle must be around the same age, so you don't want two players that be, wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. But you'd rather have somebody younger in terms of Forrest. I'm probably the opposite to you. To Forrest, I think he's been a top player for Celtic over the years. You know. Maybe a little bit inconsistent, I think. But I think that's what comes with wingers. Wingers are always known as these inconsistent players. And even though he has been inconsistent in some games, the numbers don't, like you say, the numbers don't lie. So yeah, it is evident how much they've missed on this season. No, definitely. Um, right, how much longer can McInnes last at Aberdeen? He's been there for what, seven years, six years. It's now becoming a bit of a horrid affair for him because they're not the Aberdeen of old, as I, as I mentioned. They're not playing as well they did under him. Has he maybe lost his spark with them or is it down to the players, uh, Lewis? I think, see, in the past, you always had managers that stayed for years and years, but see, it's not very common for a manager to stay as long as Derek McInnes has nowadays. So I think the time should probably come in the summer that both parties should move on. You know, I wouldn't even say, in terms of the league position, they're not in a terrible place right now. Maybe they could be a bit higher up, push, even potentially pushing, pushing Celtic, but it just feels as though they need something a bit new something that will spark them again, you know. He's done it he's looking back, he has done a really good job, but something new does need to happen come the summer as well, I think. Right. Yeah, I think you've seen I I saw this on social media on Saturday. You're seeing something that's quite similar to the whole new Lennon situation at Celtic, whereas young Aberdeen fans want McInnes out. They're bored with him. They think he's got too comfortable for the job. He's too comfortable in his position. Um, and then the older fans are sort of shooting them down, saying, look at what he's done for us, look at what he's done for us. But I did see that they've only won the 2013 League Cup under him. Uh, 2014. Um, if I'm right. Uh, which doesn't seem like that much, considering the amount of time that he's been there. I thought he would have won more than that. I think he has been a bit unlucky, I suppose, coming up against mm-hmm. a few top Celtic sides in a number of cup finals, you know? Yeah, that is true. But I think they do. Yeah, Lewis, you're right. I think some they need a wee bit of a refresh in the summer. I think both parties need to just agree to end it. 
and then they can go and get someone and that will reinvigorate them because they've got a good squad. I think I think they've got a good core players, a, a core good. Can't even speak here. <laughs> a good group of players um, that would only need another couple of signings to reinvigorate them. So, I I think I think McKinnon should leave in the summer, and then both parties can go their separate ways. I think there's a lot of loyalty. Um, from a certain section of Aberdeen fans towards Derek McInnes, obviously because he, he won the uh, League Cup final, as, as you mentioned, Ryan. Um, but also, he rejected a chance to leave Aberdeen uh, mid-season and go to Rangers in October of 2017. So I think I think Aberdeen fans feel like, well, he showed us loyalty then. Uh, we need to stay with him and, and show him loyalty now. So I think that that's you know where a section of the Aberdeen fans are coming from. But as you say, a younger element similar to Celtic are saying, no, there's no place for sentimentality in football. You know, it, it's for the greater good essentially. So I, I feel like I'm I'm, I'm going to side more with them and and with you guys. I think McInnes should probably say, yeah, listen, I've taken the club as far as I can and I've done a great job. He, he probably won't say that because that's probably a bit. Um, big-headed, but he'll probably have to take the club as far as he can and and, and move on, um, which I don't think many could grudge him for, because he, he as we've mentioned, he has done a good job. Um, right, let's move on to the fixtures for this coming Wednesday. I think these are the, the games, sort of the game in hand um, games. Uh, we've got Kilmarnock Motherwell, Livingston Hamilton and St Mirren Celtic. Let's start with Kelly versus Motherwell. Should be an interesting one. Um, Tommy Wright, obviously, coming into the Kilmarnock job um, Graham Alexander doing a fine job with Motherwell how do we see that going uh, Lewis? It'll be an interesting one between the two sides you know Motherwell look they look decent on, on Saturday against Celtic you know not not the worst side that the Celtic have faced in terms of Motherwell so it'll be interesting to see if Tommy Wright how, how early can Tommy Wright make an impact can he get the so-called new manager bounce you know but I think this one may be just a tad early for that in terms of he's probably starting today, maybe there won't be much training with him. So I think Mother will, will come out on top in this one. But it's about if Kilmarnock can show a bit of a fight and a performance that they've not seen in a number of weeks. So I'll say 2-1 Mother. Uh, Brian? I think you'll see a bounce from Kilmarnock, I'll be honest. Um, them being at home, new manager, wanting to go and please the fans at home. I know they won't be there, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> I think they'll get a bounce. I think they need to show up defensively, as I've said before. But Tommy Wright will get in there and start working on them. So I'm gonna, I think I'm going to go for a one each. I think every new club, every club, when they get a new manager, they get that sort of spark. Um, and I expect to see that. But I do like what Graham Alexander has done at Motherwell. So I'm going to say Motherwell will edge at one nil. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm going to stick with that one now. Um, Livingston versus Hamilton Academical. Hamilton off a great result um, against Rangers. Livingston off of a, a surprising result against St Johnston. Um, how do we see that one going, uh, Ryan? Yeah, it's the battle of the plastic pitches, isn't it? They'll both, be, um, they'll both be used to playing on those surfaces, but I can only really see Livingston coming back with a vengeance and getting a, a victory against Hamilton. Um, Martindale will be annoyed that he's his unbeaten runs finally been beaten, um, so to say. Uh, I think it'll be 2 0 Livingston. Uh, Lewis? Again, I think this one will be an intriguing tie. We'll see how Livingston can bounce back from something they've, they've not had under Martindale in terms of losing a game and Hamilton off a brilliant result against Top of the Rangers. And they've got the chance to, to catch Ross County in 11th place, and this, this will be a a crucial game in terms of, or it could be a crucial game to see if they they survive this season. So I think Livingston will bounce back though. And how how and sometimes they surprise you with these performances against Rangers and then go into the games against other teams and you think maybe they can put them in forms, but they just don't. So I'll say Livingston will, will win this one 2 0. It's an interesting one. Uh, Hamilton. I mean, I suppose they need to win. It's a must-win game. They're three points behind um, Ross County. But I don't think they will win. Um, I'm going to have to say, yeah, David Martindale. Um, he'll be he'll be somewhat frustrated at losing to St. Johnson. I, yeah, nah, I see Livingston tearing them to shreds. I'm going to say four now. Oh, big one. <laughs> um, as I say every week, don't bet on my predictions. I've not had one right one lately. Um, so yeah, don't don't bet on it. Um, 
And if you do, please be gambler aware. Um, St Mirren versus Celtic. Um, St Mirren picked up three points against Celtic last time they met for the first time since 1990. Um, and that was at Celtic Park, I should say. Uh, how do we see that one going, um, Lewis? Is it it's quite a strange one having both sides faced each other a few weeks ago and obviously St Mirren came out on top. So can Jim Goodwin do the same? That's the thing. You know, he's obviously got Neil Lynn's number for the for the last game. So, is it about setting up the same way, or will be, things be different? A lot where a few changes in the Celtic side. You know, there could be maybe a little change in it with Ayeti. Could he be suspended? You know, so I think Celtic will come out on top in this one. Just I'll say two one again as well. Uh, Ryan, I hate to sound defeatist for my own team, but I think this is going to be two each. Um... I could definitely see a result of that. Yeah, it's a top six team. Celtic have not been doing well against top six yeah. teams recently at all. Yeah. Um, I think Jim Goodwin has got Neil Lennon's number. I think he's a better coach. I, I said this on another podcast. I think Jim Goodwin's a far better coach. He gets more of it, out of his players than Neil Lennon does. You can hear it on the, the sideline, as uh, Lewis said earlier. Um, it would be a difficult game because St Martin beat Rangers at... at um, St Martin Park as well. Is that the name of it, St Martin Park? I think it's something. Um, what is it? A sponsorship or something? Sponsorship. Um, like Simple Digital Arena or something. Like that. Aye, that's, some... that sounds right. Aye. So I think, I think Celtic will get a draw at the Simple Digital Arena, and I hate. I always hate not saying Celtic will win, but that's just the way things are just now. I mean, the ending of that game. I mean, it, it could have been 60, 60 minutes of that game the other day and I would have been positive. I would have been saying, oh, we'll beat St Mim. But you're seeing the same mistakes creep in time after time after time. They're not learning. And St Mim look as if they'll punish teams if they make mistakes. So I'm going to go for two each. Yeah, uh, I think these both make compelling points. Um, I think you'll see a wounded animal from Celtic. They'll be, to put it, Bruntly, I think they'll be they'll be quite angered uh, getting beat at home to St Mirren. Um, so I think we'll see a different Celtic. We'll see a Celtic with intent. Um, I'm going to say two 0 Celtic, um, and that feels weird saying that. But yeah, I, I can't see. I just I, I can't see them losing two in a row to St Mirren. I just can't. Um, well, that that sort of rounds us off for our, our predictions and and sort of rounds us off for the podcast. Ryan, thanks so much for for joining us, Lewis. As always, it's it's good to have you here. Thank you so much for listening to Dave Stefano Talks, Talking Scottish Football, episode number seven. A massive thank you to Brian for coming on the podcast and discussing all the weekend's action across the Scottish Premiership with us and recapping all the massive talking points from the weekend. On next week's podcast, myself and Lewis will be joined by student journalist Adam Lynch and English football social media blogger James Payne who will be recapping all of next week's action across the Scottish Premiership and will be tapping into his insight as well as looking at players that have gone from Scotland to England to see how they've made the jump, such as Kieran Tierney, John Fleck, John McGinn and Stuart Armstrong, etc, etc, etc. That will air next Monday at 4pm on Spotify iTunes and Google Podcasts. Be sure to not miss it. And as always, follow the podcast on Twitter at Talks. Thank you once again for listening and we will see you next week.